You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Cam Chancellor comes up and just unloads. Number 31, clean his clock. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. Russell has time, fires down the middle. Got his man, Baldwin. He is in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Doug Baldwin again. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to the Seahawks Insider Podcast, ahead of the Seahawks game on Thursday night against the Los Angeles Rams. I'm Jen Mueller, Seahawks sideline reporter, joined by John Boyle from Seahawks.com, who's already got some rave green, action green, excuse me, action green on for Thursday's game. Well, you know, when in, when in Rome, is that the expression? Uh, yeah, just getting excited for the game and or it was clean. It was... <laughs> I was going to say, you sound a little less excited about our color rush game than the players who seem to be genuinely stoked. I think it'll look better on them than me. Let's put it that way. Uh, well, have you seen some of the combos in there? Don't sell yourself short, John. That's exactly what I would tell you right now. Well, thanks. Appreciate Here's the other thing I would say. Don't sell the Seahawks team short and don't look at that game in Green Bay as uh, anything more than just a game. At least that's my take. And, John, you and I were both there. It was a quiet flight home, and we haven't had as much time to digest it with a short week. But what are your big takeaways from that one? Um, I mean, the first thing was just how strange it was as it became clear in you know third, fourth quarter that it was out of hand and there wasn't really any comeback coming. Because even in the first half, as it got to be you know 21-3, you're just so used to this team just jumping back in games and pulling some crazy stuff off, and all of a sudden it's close. Even if they don't pull out the win, they, they make a game out of it. This is the first time in five years they'd lost by more than 10 points. So that was kind of the first thing that jumped out at me. But then the second part, when you start to look at it, it's a little easier to kind of get past it because the turnovers were just so weird. And it was, you know, Russell Wilson, I'm not going to defend his game. He didn't play well, but couple of those interceptions hit guys on the hands and every bad throw that you know bounced off a guy that some games might just fall on the ground went right to a defender so it's you know if they had just been stymied the whole game we've seen some of these offensive performances where the Seahawks just can't move the ball and they're punting all game long and to me that would be more concerning this time of year than just a really weird fluky turnover game because this team doesn't turn the ball over and I don't think we're going to see that again yeah I would agree with you and in fact in talking to some of our defense you know, in the days after the game, they can't believe how fluky some of those turnovers and interceptions were too, because how many times have, has our secondary or our linebackers been close to making those plays and not have them bounce into their hands, but yet they're right there for the take. Exactly. You know, it's I just, mean, it, and, and again, it's not to make excuses because they weren't necessarily good throws, which is what led to the problem. But, like the throw to curse that bounced off of the defender. And then, I mean, that wasn't a good throw. It was in the contested, and it was probably should have been more outside. Whatever you want to say about the throw. But the way – if you just look at the way it actually bounced to the defender, it's like that – I mean, that's probably one out of ten times that's an interception versus an incomplete pass. And how many times have we played the Packers and just had fluky things happen? Yeah, they've – they you know, those have been some weird games. <laughs> those have been weird I'm trying weird to think games. of a good way to say it. They've just been weird. Uh, they've been weird. Yeah, so. you, you never know what to expect. And I think you're right. When you take a look at the final score, when you look at time of possession, which the Seahawks had in their favor, when you look at the yard totals, right, it, it's really the, the points and the turnovers that make this so lopsided because they had no problem moving the ball several times during the course of the game. Those drives were descended by interceptions. 
Which leads to this question, and I know it came up during the game and it came up after the game. Do the Seahawks have a problem winning on the road? Do you see the same trend repeating itself on the road? I mean, the the record says they do. They're 2-4-1 and one on the road, which is it's going to be their first losing record on the road since Wilson's rookie year. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, if you go way back to, you know, pre-Pete Carroll days, it was this for a long time had to, this team had a reputation of being great at home, bad on the road. And the record says that they've struggled on the road and they have had some tough games, but they've all been kind of different. And so I don't, you know, they've also... They had their best game of the year on the road, You could too. say the best regular season win maybe of the Pete Carroll era came, what, a month ago on the road. On the so, road. you know, I, it's hard to say. Like, look, it, w- would they prefer to be home for the playoffs? Of course. Are they going to – am I going to look at a road playoff game as just being like, oh, they have no chance because it's on the road? I, I don't think I would. So, um, you know, I, I think, again, if they had had another – because they've had some – most of their offensive struggles have been on the road. And had this looked like the Tampa game or the Arizona game or the Rams game where it was just the, they weren't moving the ball, then I would be more concerned, honestly, because Russell Wilson's not going to throw five. He's not going to throw three interceptions again, knock on wood. I, I just This was more just a fluky, really bad day that snowballed on, on them than some horrible you know trend that's going to be a problem. It is the fifth time this season that they have been held to 12 points or less. They did get the touchdown there late in the game to Tanner McAvoy. And I was talking to Tanner. It is amazing when you consider the number of positions he's played, the time he's had at wide receiver, which is all of about, I don't know, what, 12 games? Um, A little bit of college. A little bit. A little teeny tiny in between playing safety and quarterback quarterback and and back to safety. And um, how have you seen him be – more of a weapon for Russell Wilson because you had an article on Seahawks.com that noted, I did not realize the passes that he was catching. Yeah, and it's funny. I I think opportunistic would be the best word for him because it's, you know, obviously, even if you're a starting receiver in this offense, you only get so many chances because it's a team that doesn't throw the ball 40 times a game traditionally. And he doesn't play. I mean, he's usually been the fourth or fifth receiver in terms of playing time. Yet he can, you know, first catch is a 42-yard touchdown. He's had, you know, some 15 to 20-yard catches. He had a 41-yard pass. He's just he, – he seems to have just that knack for making the most of the chances he has gotten. And some of that's just attitude and work ethic and all that stuff so you're ready when those chances come up. It helps being a big guy too, you know. Quarterbacks like looking over and seeing 6'5", and, you know, you, that's a matchup you like just before the play even starts. So – you know, they're giving him some limited chances. And as you just said, he's played so little receiver. There should theoretically be a lot of upside there that he's still learning how to just play the position and get used to all the nuances of it. So, you know, this is a guy, he's not going to suddenly be their one or two option, but he's a guy that could slowly see his role increase for sure. Well, and here's the stat that I pulled out of your story, and I did not realize this. Six of his seven catches this season have gone for 10 or more yards the only catch that didn't was a five-yard completion on third and two. And a tough, you know, contested, a slant, kind of chucked in there hard. So that's, you know, it's a short game, but it's an important one. So, yeah, it's – He's, you know, he's not just getting a bunch of little dinky short dump-off passes. They're, they're throwing downfield to him, and he's making plays. Okay, so we've talked about 
Russell Wilson, we've talked about the wide receivers. Where is this team at running back wise? Because we know that Tremaine Pope suffered another ankle injury that's significant. In fact, the Seahawks have gone ahead and ended his season and placed him on IR. So what does that mean for where that run game is? Yeah, unfortunately for him, this is a time of year where even not super serious injuries can be season ending because, you know, serious ankle sprain, if it's going to keep you out a couple weeks, Unfortunately, he's done. So they did uh, sign Kelvin Taylor, who was here recently on the practice squad. A lot of football fans will remember his dad, Fred Taylor. Uh, But, yeah, so he's here, kind of provides some depth. You know, it's probably going to mean a bigger role for Alex Collins. We saw quite a bit of him. Unfortunately for Alex, he did have the fumble, so that'll be something I'm sure they want to clean up. I mean, the good news is Thomas Rawls has looked great, and this running game has really started to look more like the Seahawks running game. Some of that's Thomas Rawls being back. A lot of it's Russell Wilson being healthy again. I think the line's just getting better as they continue to grow as a unit. And, I mean, all of a sudden this team, as much as we worried about the running game and all the struggles, they've gone over, you know, 127 is their lowest output in the last four games. They've averaged over five a carry in every one of those games. So starting to look like a Seahawks running game, really. And the Seahawks also plays fullback Will Tukuafu on injured reserve. He's not going to be able to come back from that concussion. But when you talk about the running game, Marcel Reese did a pretty nice job. Yeah, he you know he didn't get a ton of opportunities in, to do traditional fullback blocking stuff because playing from behind a lot, you're not going to do a lot of two-back power running. But he looked good catching the ball. We saw that long 31-yarder and had another catch, and that's part of what has made him such a good fullback since he converted to that position early in his career, his receiver background makes him a heck of a pass catcher. And I think what we're going to see more of is this team has had that third down back role that's usually been a pass catching back. You know, they, they thought it was going to be precise this year. It's been Fred Jackson in the past, Robert Turbin in the past. Now it's maybe a third down fullback as you know, you might see some of that where he takes on some of that role. And when you start looking at the matchup specifically against the Rams, you're talking about guys that, were not available the first time they played in week two of the season. You're talking about, you know, Russell Wilson, who was playing with a significant ankle sprain. Yeah, he had a high ankle, ankle sprain. sprain. A lot of guys miss a few games, and he was right. playing the next week. So Yeah, and so Marcel Reese wasn't involved. The run game wasn't where it was supposed to be. Tyler Lockett got hurt in that game. Doug Baldwin took some shots in that game. How much different? And I understand that the Seahawks are coming off of a um, less than favorable game for them. How much different will this matchup against the Rams look on the Seahawks side compared to week two? I mean, the offense should be a lot better. Uh, And look, the Rams defense is very talented and they seem to always give the Seahawks trouble. So I don't necessarily think the offense being a lot better means they need to prove it by scoring 40 points like they did against the Panthers if they do great. But I think it's just going to be, they need to just move the ball better, take care of it, obviously. But, uh, you know, they're going to be, as you said, so much different. Russell Wilson's, if not 100%, really close to it compared to being really hobbled in week two. Thomas Rawls was just back in that game and wasn't really himself yet, and then he gets hurt. And then he got hurt. So, yep. yeah, I mean, it's the pieces they have in the line, again. Like, this, you know, it's a brand-new group at that point in the season. Those guys had played one meaningful game together, and it was a bunch of new guys and guys in different positions. Now they've come along, gotten a lot better. So I, I think we're going to see, even if it's not just a huge outpouring of points, a much better offense than what we saw in Week 2. Yeah, and, well, you're going to be looking at a different Rams team from a couple of different angles. What does the coaching change mean 
for this game? I, I don't know because it's so rare. Usually if a team is going to make an in-season change, maybe they do it on a bye week so they have more time. To do it on a short week, it, theoretically that would make it really hard to prepare for the game, but you are, you know, it's obviously you're promoting someone internally. John Fossil's been there a long time, so he, you know, he knows the team, they know him. I don't know that it's a huge thing. Sometimes there can be a motivational factor of you know, we want to prove to this new coach or we want to prove to whoever our next coach is when they look at the film that we didn't give up. So maybe they come out more motivated. I, you know, it's it's kind of a the wild card to me in this game is what does that coaching change do? It could make them really go one of two directions. So, I, you know, I, I don't think schematically they look any different because, A, it's the same coaching staff around it, and B, you can't change much in four days. Well, and because Fossil was the special teams coordinator, and they've always been good at special teams against the Seahawks, there's usually one or two trick plays that they try to roll out. They're yeah. opportunistic in that way, and you're going to have to be very cognizant and very aware. But it is curious that they didn't promote perhaps a different coach on the staff, and because you didn't, you still have the same guy calling the offense, right? And and calling the offense with a rookie quarterback who has yet to win since being promoted to that role and is very inconsistent. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what a rookie quarterback can be. You obviously hope that he jumps in and is ready and does what we've seen some rookie quarterbacks do, you know, Dak Prescott being the most obvious example this season. But that, I mean, that's going to be a big factor for him. It's just how does he respond to, as Bobby Wagner said, he probably hasn't played in a crowd like this yet. There aren't a lot of defenses like the Seahawks, so I don't think they necessarily have to make a conscious effort to do anything different. It's just how does he respond to it and what it, what opportunities are there for the defense to take because he, you know, it, it's a different beast when you come up and play here against that defense and the crowd gets crazy and, you know, it's going to be a night game. So it's it, sh- it should be a tough test for Goff and just kind of see what he can do with it. Yeah, and it was interesting to note just, Bobby, without having a whole lot of film on Jared Goff to note, the tendencies that a rookie quarterback will have. You know, Richard Sherman had noted he's probably only going to get through maybe three reads, whereas Aaron Rodgers last week is getting through six different reads, right? You know, and Bobby's saying it's a confidence issue. Even though Case Keenum wasn't necessarily lighting the world on fire, he's got enough confidence to not just try to get rid of the ball as quick as he can. Tends to be something that a rookie would do who doesn't really like standing back there feeling that pressure. And so easier just to dump it off, um, get it out of his hands, lack of confidence that can snowball on you pretty quick in a game. It can, if you know, it, it, sometimes that works if you can get rid of the ball quickly and you know, you take some stuff off his plate and don't let him get pressured and throw interceptions and all that. If they can kind of dink and dunk it and keep the game close, maybe that plays in their favor, but the flip side of confidence is if something goes bad early, it can get really tough on you. And one thing Richard Sherman pointed out that you mentioned, you know, Aaron Rodgers will sit back there and he'll go through six reads. He'll go back to the reads he already went off of. A, you need time to do that. But B, you need the confidence and knowing as the play goes on and on and on exactly what those receivers are doing. And that takes time, that chemistry. We've seen it with guys coming in here, whether it's Jimmy Graham being new here or a receiver or whatever. That's why Russell and Doug Baldwin are so good together. They've been playing together so long and know each other so well. So he's not just, you know, there's there's just less. It's inevitable that with a rookie quarterback, there's less they're able to do. Well, and the other part of this equation is Todd Gurley isn't getting the same yards on the ground that he did last year. Defenses have been able to shut down the run game, which makes it very difficult to do anything else because you already know that they're not able to pass the ball and get the ball downfield as much. So I – 
you know, there's kind of two things working in tandem, but why hasn't Todd Gurley been that sensational back that we saw last year? Some of that goes to the passing game. You know, if, if a team doesn't feel they need to do too much to honor the passing game and that threat and they're loading the box all the time, I don't care how good a runner you are, you're not going to break six tackles on every run. So, um, you know, I, I haven't watched the Rams close enough to know everything, you know, schematically what's going on there, but their passing game obviously hasn't been very prolific this year, and it's it's really hard to run the ball well when that's every defense's focus is take that away and take our chances with the run game yeah. or the passing game, excuse me. Yeah, and defenses have a lot more film on Gurley now that as they well, do. so they can make their adjustments. Okay, so this short week might be the very best thing that the Seahawks could have hoped for coming off that game in Green Bay. Is there anything that leads you to believe, anything that you've seen in the locker room, anything during the game, anything during those interviews that leads you to believe this team can't finish in classic Seahawk Pete Carroll fashion? Not at all. I I think, you know, I understand why fans are kind of freaked out about a loss like that just because – they haven't seen it. And it doesn't I mean, feel good. No. It, it does it's, not It's feel not fun good. to watch. It's <laughs> frustrating. And if you've been watching this team for the last four seasons, you haven't seen that. So it's it's very foreign. But to these guys, it's easier to put behind them. They knew what went wrong. They know it's very fixable stuff. And this team, late in seasons, A, they don't lose much this time of year. But when they do, they almost always respond with a win. They don't lose back-to-back games this time of year. That is you, true. You Under got, Russell Wilson, they never have lost back-to-back games after October. Yeah, exactly. And you've got the next two, the next two at home. Two of the, the next, next three two at home. at home. Yep. You got the next two games at home. Everything's out there in front of them. You know, they obviously fell back a little bit. They they don't control their destiny for the two seed anymore. But the Rams. I'm sorry, but the Lions have a much tougher mm-hmm. schedule down the stretch. So. And an injured quarterback now. I really think we're going to see this team respond well, A, on Thursday night, and B, these next three weeks, and has a very good chance to still be where they want to be come January. But will the defense still lead the league in scoring? Because they dropped from first to fourth. That that didn't help. 30 points didn't help. No. um, You know, I I was just looking at that. Again, with with their schedule, you're facing – couple offenses have struggled this year. Again, two at home. I think there's a very good chance still if they can you know, come out and take care of business and maybe, maybe have a single-digit game, a couple of them here. They could get there again. You know, it came down to the wire. By that. Oh, yeah. No, they, they, they know. You go back to last year, they knew. I mean, it was – I thought it was kind of interesting because they still subbed in all their backups in that game because it was a blowout, but they were into it. Like, the Stars were into it, and they knew. You know, Richard Sherman had the – score and when Deshaun Shedd picked that pass they knew what it meant. Yeah, that's what it was. I was trying to remember what exactly that play was. That's right. It was the interception that yeah. helped seal it up. Well, that's going to finish it off for us today. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Seahawks Insider Podcast. Remember, you can go back and listen to our past episodes, Seahawks.com slash podcast. You can read everything that John has posted on Seahawks.com. Please do listen to the game and myself from the sidelines on the Seahawks Radio Network, and we will be back with you.